0: You might think I'm overdoing the windy woodland sound effect here, but we are in the most appropriate place and the most appropriate weather to talk about an incredible migration of a young honey buzzard swept east out of Scotland to Denmark on its way to Africa. Its progress has already attracted huge attention online and I'm here to talk to Roy Dennis about honey buzzards and what they do, where they live, how they come to make these amazing journeys and how unusual it is even to find a nest. People a scramble up here. So do honey buzzards always nest in places like
1: this? Yeah pretty much so. They're always in big woods. You know they can nest, we've, we've seen nests in Douglas fir and Scots pine, uh, big birch, uh, oak, um, beeches but what they're looking for is continuous forest and, uh, and big stuff.
0: It's so fantastic to be standing here at the foot of what I now know is a honey buzzard nest tree, but which I think we must have paced under several times when we were looking, um, because the honey buzzard nest is a really hard nest to find. And when you said, let's go and and have a look, it wasn't as straightforward as I thought it would be that day.
1: No, and that was made worse by us being about 200 metres too far away. (laughs) And we went up and down, up and down Uh, along and under the trees and looking up. uh, But when you look up, you don't see the nest because the foliage is so thick. But I know that there is a nest up there. And and you knew
0: they were honey buzzards because you'd seen them flying, but not knowing exactly where they came from.
1: No, they're an extremely difficult bird. They're very elusive. They're they're kind of one of the most enigmatic birds we have. They arrive late. They arrive in, in May from Africa. And they're called honey buzzard, but they're not a buzzard, they're something quite different. They're a different bird altogether, they're an insect eater. And uh, they don't eat honey, they eat wasp grubs. And they have this amazing ability to be able to follow wasps back to their nests, either in the ground or hanging in trees. And they rob those nests, or they collect those nests, but what they're after are the grubs, the wasp grubs, which are extraordinarily nutritious. And if it's a good wasp year, these little honey buzzards grow so they're as fat as can be from this super abundant, super quality food.
0: And that day when you brought me to look for this nest, we were pacing up and down looking under the tree for any signs, yeah. and that was what gives a nest away.
1: If you really know what you're doing, because what I was looking for. Was maybe the molted feather of the female, because the females will molt while they're on incubating their eggs, and and one feather is enough to tell you something's happening. The other telltale is to find a piece of wasp comb, and uh, if you find a piece of wasp comb, then that's another good indicator. But they are an extremely difficult bird to study. You just need loads and loads of time they do have an, an amazing display um, but generally speaking they're very inconspicuous
0: So there could be more honey buzzards nests in this area?
1: There will be and they are distributed all the way over Britain but they're under recorded and I think their populations vary depending on the kind of summers, so if you have really good summers with a lot of wasps then that's good for them but on the continent they're a common bird and they migrate over places like the Straits of Gibraltar in very large numbers so they're not a rare bird they're just a very inconspicuous enigmatic bird
0: so that mention of migration brings us then to the chick the female chick that was satellite tagged this year uh, you and Fraser Cormack and Ian Perks came to the nest the 11th of august and just a month later which is really hard to believe it set off on this incredible flight eastwards
1: i know amazing you know the bird um, had one of these superb new little transmitters um, which tell us so much but at the beginning uh, because the bird is living in the canopy the sun can't get on the satellite transmitter uh, solar array so we slow it right down so we only get a few signals per day but then we could see that it started to move and then the weekend before last it suddenly set off. Now that wasn't a good day to set off because it was a strong wind from the west. In fact it was getting close to a gale and instead of flying south it was swept away to the east and roosted overnight in Aberdeenshire and the next day it kept on its migration And the wind was so strong, it blew it just north of Aberdeen, out into the North Sea. And it went right across, flying during the night. And by the early morning, it had landed in a wooden Denmark.
0: Now, was that all one big mistake? It should never have gone that way.
1: That was a big mistake. And that's the problem that these young honey buzzards have. Because like, you know, like young ospreys, they're doing this migration by themselves to start with. Its older sibling had probably gone a few days before and what they hope is they go in good weather. But if they go in bad weather, there's a problem. Fortunately, the bird this year shook itself and said, <laughs> I think I'd better set off south and that's what it did. Right,
0: so Landon Denmark had a rest and then took off yeah. again. Which brings us to Dr Tim McCrill who works with the Roy Dennis Wildlife Foundation and is closely monitoring the honey buzzard's progress south.
2: So she had four full days in Denmark which was was obviously much needed because that was a really long arduous sea crossing as you've heard so she really needed to recuperate from it for a few days and then she set off south and and we were quite nervous initially because you think you know has has that long migration over the sea you know really taken its toll but actually having had those four days rest the 17th of September she made a really good long flight south um through Denmark um past the Wadden Sea and actually reached the northern part of Germany. So that was a really good day's migration. It was 237 kilometres. And you think, okay, she's recovered and she's back on track.
0: So would she have been travelling by herself at that point?
2: At that stage, she probably was. But the thing with honey buzzers and the real advantage for juvenile honey buzzers is that if they encounter their own species, if they encounter another group of honey buzzers, they will follow them. So whereas birds like ospreys, the juvenile ospreys we've, we've tracked, always migrate on their own honey buzzards will will definitely follow other honey buzzards as they go south and the good thing for this bird is although that flight across the north sea probably wasn't what she wanted to do um there will be many more honey buzzards coming south from scandinavia than there would be coming south from scotland so actually by going across the north sea she's got a much greater chance of meeting you know other birds of her own species
0: Might have been talking there's been a red squirrel running to and fro behind you (laughs) and through this woodland just ignoring us well i
1: I sometimes wonder you know this nest now will not be reoccupied until next may probably in the middle of may and almost certainly the two same two adult birds will come back and i sometimes wonder who uses it in the winter i can imagine squirrels sitting on it even pine marty maybe a tawny owl stopping on there one day so for creatures in this forest, these nests are long-term nests.
0: So when the birds arrive back from Africa, is their food ready, is there food waiting for them? Is there a food source? Because they wouldn't get wasp grubs that early in the year.
1: No, at that time, you know, the cream wasps have not been long going round and building their nests for the year. So they eat a lot of frogs, so they catch frogs. and. Frog is probably one of the the more important foods in their winter quarters in Africa. They will take uh, young wood pigeons in the nest, but they're not really, you know, a kind of raptor that catches things like that. In fact, when you look at their feet, they're actually made for digging. (laughs) You know, they're not great big talons. They're, they're, They're really used for digging. And I remember one of the very first ones i saw when i was a boy scout in the new forest so that's a long long time ago and when we came around the corner we saw the tail of one sticking out a hole in the ground and it flew off and it had been digging in to get at a wasp nest so they can dig quite far into the ground to get wasp nest and i just find it amazing that they can follow the wasp back to their nest
0: so you were interested in honey buzzards that early. It's gone right back through your life.
1: Well, it, honey buzzard was always one of those birds that was kind of special. You know, they, whenever you've seen them, you kind of got that lift. I suppose some of it is that you can see people looking at them in the sky and just thinking they're buzzards and then you look and you see a particular wing action.
0: What I really want to get out of this piece is how you know a honey buzzard when you see one.
1: Okay. But I know
0: that's a really difficult thing to define because if you know what, you know what it is, but how you explain that to someone, I, I don't know.
1: Well, there's a couple of ways. One is like the one you saw this summer.
0: Yeah, there was clapping its wings over its back, which was really distinctive, but that's quite rare, I presume.
1: Yeah, you don't often see that. You're very lucky to see that. And when you shouted to me in the garden, it it was just instantaneous. It's a honey buzzard. It's a male honey buzzard displaying right over our garden. And then it floated away to the north, the common buzzard. You can see things like they've got markings that are different, especially on the tail if you see them close up. And the males have grey heads and then they just have a lighter look to them. And they also have a very distinct way when they're flying that their wings are below the the kind of straight, they're kind of what we call anhedral and they drop them, they don't raise them above their bodies. Yeah. The other way you can tell them immediately is if you find a buzzard on the ground digging out a wasp nest. And someone locally um, in the local town told me he'd been walking his dog and they'd come across this buzzard that flew out the ground. And when they went to look what was happening He and his dog got set upon by the wasps, who were angry at being pulled out of the ground. And he took me along and showed it to me, and that was a clear sign of honey buzzer.
0: So how is it the bird doesn't get stung?
1: Well, it's amazing, really, because if you stumble into a wasp nest, they're really angry and you're soon stung. But these birds dig them out, and they're covered in wasps. People have taken photographs of them the feathers around the face are really tightly packed and kind of scale-like, very dense, and it's thought that the wasp can't go through. But there's more and more thought that they're actually giving off a chemical that kind of placates the wasps. And some researchers in the Far East on the crest- crested honeybutton, which is very similar, have found tiny filaments in the feather, which they thought had a chemical composition.
2: <laughs> fascinating.
0: Now Roy mentioned the Straits of Gibraltar so is that where you're expecting her to be heading next?
2: It certainly does look that way yeah, so she's now, um, the most recent data we had this morning, she was in kind of central eastern France Um, so it's quite clear that having been up in in northern denmark she's now going very definitely southwest and probably what that will mean is that she's going to head down through she's going to reach the pyrenees initially and then she'll go south through through spain and probably to the strait of gibraltar because honey buzzards like most birds of prey will will generally try and avoid long sea crossings i mean we've seen that they can do it because she did that incredible flight from aberdeen to northwest denmark but she'd preferentially prefer to fly over land and the reason they prefer to fly over land is that they use thermal updrafts to kind of aid their migration so what will happen is that they'll they'll circle up on a thermal so that's you know thermals of rising air rising hot air and that enables them to perhaps circle and gain altitude for maybe two three minutes before they reach the top of the thermal and then they fly onwards and the great thing with this satellite tracking data that we've got is that now that she's In Europe, there's lots of sun. It means that we're getting this incredibly detailed information. GPS fixes pretty much once every minute or two minutes so we can see the exact altitude she's flying, the exact location she's flying, and so we can really understand how she's using using those thermals to aid her migration. And one really interesting thing is that she's generally not setting off every morning till kind of 10.30, 11 o'clock, which is the time you'd expect the thermals to be rising and conditions to be improving for migration. So she'll be heading for the Strait of Gibraltar because that's a short crossing Um, to Africa it avoids another long flight over the sea. I think she's probably had enough of that for now. Um, So hopefully she's back on track, but of course with a young bird on her first migration, nothing guaranteed. So we're keeping fingers crossed.
1: Between 2001 and 2011, I tagged with the older type of transmitter, 10 honey buzzards in the highlands, one adult and nine young. And out of those, eight got to their wintering quarters in West Africa.
0: So is the honey buzzard like the osprey in the sense the parents feed it and feed it and feed it before it migrates? Will this bird that's flown across to Denmark and then south have been really fat before she left?
1: Yeah, I think that one had already was weighing well over a thousand grams when we ringed it. And you could feel the fat on the sides of the body. With an osprey, they've got to tear up a fish and feed to their young and it takes a while for the young osprey to be strong enough to tear the fish up. But if you give a young honey buzzard a wasp comb with these like grubs in it, it's just like picking up sweeties. So it's very easy for them to feed themselves on the most nutritious food with very little waste at all except the empty comb.
0: And will the bird be now feeding as it goes down, feeding itself?
1: It doesn't need to because it will be carrying so much fat, but it almost certainly is. And Tim will tell you about that because it doesn't get going until quite late in the morning. So it may be looking for food early in the morning, might find a frog or so on. And then as it goes further down and gets into Africa, then it would find locusts on the desert and uh, then into the tropical forest.
2: The the satellite data is incredibly detailed, and so we can see she's moving around. And so in the mornings, what tends to happen is that she will leave her roost quite early, probably not that long after first light. But she's not setting off on migration. She's just making short local movements. So it could be that she is feeding. So, you know, we know that honey buzzers might take amphibians, maybe birds. So it could be that in the mornings before she really sets off on, you know, a definite move to the south, She's trying to find food locally and close to the release site just to give her some more fuel for that journey south.
0: And although we're looking at this journey and and being amazed by it, she's still only still in Europe.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, that's it. I mean, she, you know, she obviously had that very difficult start to her migration and now as she goes through Europe, it's pretty benign, really. She's had she's had good weather. She's had tailwinds quite a lot of days, and you know, there's I'm looking at the average distances she's flown every day. She's flown anything from between 170 to about 250 kilometers in a day. Um, but it is relatively easy. There's thermal updrafts to aid her flight. But obviously, once she gets to Africa, it, it does change, and she's got to cross the Sahara Desert. Now, for a honey buzzard, that's not the same challenge that it might be for an osprey, which definitely can't find food, because honey buzzards could potentially find food in the Sahara. But, you know, potentially she could be up against some really tough conditions. There could be sandstorms, strong winds. So, you know, all manner of, of difficulties lie in wait.
0: So the next step is to follow it all the way to Africa. That's the idea by satellite. And then how long before it might come back to Scotland?
1: Well maybe two years, and the difference is that when we satellite tracked those birds before we didn't have these newest type transmitters that are run by solar panels. And this transmitter could last for five years if the bird survives. It's got a long, it's got a hazardous journey it might roost somewhere and an eagle-owl grabbed it, or, you know, there are dangers, and there will be dangers in the forests in Africa as well. But what we'd really love to know is how they get back here, and then how do they decide where they would like to nest in Scotland.
0: So you've never tracked one back from Africa before?
1: No, but what we have had is that we had a bird seen with a transmitter quite close to, uh, you know, Inverness, So that was one of our birds coming back. But by that time, we didn't have satellites that were powered by solar. They were only batteries. So we know that one got back. And we know the adult male bred again. And um, one that I tagged in England for a group down there, uh, four years later, that was run over on a railway line just across the channel in France. So that one had come back from Africa. But this... Is our first opportunity with these new transmitters.
0: And updates on the honey buzzard's journey to Africa will be on the Roy Dennis Wildlife Foundation website at www.roydennis.org.
2: Even if she is with other adult honey buzzards, which will help her and help her guide her on the on the correct flight path, you know, there's no guarantee she'll make it to Africa. But so far, so good. I think she's making a good fist of it um, so far.